Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Um, it's been a wonderful uh, weekend, just uh, celebrating Canada, and I know it's been a little bit of a sobering time uh, with the situation that we've seen with the uh, Indigenous uh, people, the graves that have been found. And so I want to uh, look at that. We're going to pray into some of these things. We I always like to take the Canada Day uh, weekend, a portion of the service, and pray. How I many you know our nation needs prayer? We need prayer. And it's a, a great time to be able to do that. So I'm going to take a lot of my focus today um, um, towards that and um, addressing some things. But I also want to keep in, in with Daniel as well um, and the theme that we've been going with there with Daniel um, about true courage and how we need to have something inside of us more than we have right now. Um, and uh, God is preparing us to be able to do that. But there's certain qualities that we need that God um, had in Daniel that caused Daniel to live in captivity for over 70 years, but he was still able to allow God to work in mighty ways and God to be seen even in the midst of an ungodly people. And so ungodly people, ungodly government, anything, like, it can be an excuse for us to be able to just do what we want. But the, the, the real problem isn't those things. It's where is our heart at with God. And, and when we look at today, we're going to look at the life of Daniel in uh, another situation where he had to interpret a dream, and it wasn't a very good uh, dream that he had to interpret for, for the king, um, King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, he had the courage to be able to even say that dream, but it confronted pride in King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, this is the greatest enemy that all of us fight. And we fight it continually. Because inside of each one of us is we want to do it our own way. Or we think we can do it better than someone else. Or we just want things for ourselves. How many of you fight that? You fight it all the time. You, mean, you, just, you don't want to get up. You don't want to, you know, just want to sleep in. You know, we want everything. <laughs> Daniel's like, yeah, I don't have that problem. I just, I, I cannot sleep in. I don't know. I've tried. I've actually thought of it the night before. I'm exhausted. I, oh, and I don't have to get up for anything. And I just, I'm wide awake at like, I'm an, just an early guy. My body's wired that way. But, but there's all these things that we continually fight. And pride is something that is an enemy for all of us that, that God can deal with in our hearts if we allow him. And, and it will cause us to be able to break past things that hold us back 
Because God, the only reason why he, he wants to rip pride out of us is takes from us God's plan and God's purpose because we take it in our own hands and we just, I can do it myself. And it's like we can't do it ourselves. And um, we see this over and over and over again. But when we look at the life of, of Daniel, um, we see that he continually lived in that place of submission and, um, and brokenness. And we see humility, we see trust, and we see hope. We see those three qualities in Daniel continually as we look through uh, this, this, his life. And he withstood um, three rulers in that 70 years, not just one, three, three ungodly rulers. And he was able to be faithful to God all the way through and to be able to be a voice and to be able to be a godly standard in the midst of ungodliness. How many want to be that? I believe all of us do, and uh, you online as well that are watching. Um, that's what we want. We want to see God work, and we want to see God move. And so, um, you know, it says in Psalms 14, <clears throat> it says, Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt, and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. And then it says in verse 2, the Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away, all have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. We see in this passage, God's looking down, but is mankind looking up? And we see that when we get the focus in our lives and we think we've got it on our own and we think we understand this or we understand that apart from God or we think this is good enough and that and I, I can do it myself, we are not looking up anymore. God's looking down, but we need to be looking up. So how do we do this? How do we do this in the midst of when everything is going well? You know, one thing that I do, and I believe the Bible tells us to live in an attitude of thankfulness, because thankfulness continually puts me in a position where I know I'm thanking God for what he's given me. Even if I think I got it myself, I'm thanking God he gave it to me. How many know the ability you have to even do your job, God gave it to you? The, the talents, the, the skills, everything that you, we don't, we, we need to remember everything came through him and it's to be used for him. And I'm designed by God to be able to do what he has called each one of us are designed by him and we need to bring it back to him. So in life, to be thankful keeps God in the forefront. It keeps you looking up. How many know it does? How many have tried it? And how many know when you're not thankful, what, what creeps in? You start looking at yourself. You start, oh, I don't have this. I don't have this. It's just, and, it, and it's a trap, and you, like, become self-absorbed, and you become, and you, you get trapped in this. And God says, no, look up. And so Daniel did this. And um, now you would think, you know, He's like, he got through, I'm going to take a bit of a, 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 a review here. First of all, Daniel gets taken into captivity. So 
He's stripped of his, of his, of his family. He's stripped of, his, of uh, his country. He's stripped of everything, and he's put into an ungodly institution. He has to go to this university that he didn't sign up for, and he has to be reprogrammed is basically what they're trying to do to him. But he is staying true to his God. He follows his convictions. He, he, he is able to withstand that, and everything gets changed so that they follow his dietary laws because that was part of his, his, uh, his convictions following God. Then we see that um, uh, he interprets a dream for the king um, that nobody could interpret because no one understood it, but, but God gave Daniel the, the interpretation for the dream. And then we see that um, his friends had to stand up against this idol that, that the king had built. And, and, and if they didn't, they would be thrown into the furnace. So there were always these things that they were confronted with that were way beyond human ability and human, um, uh, where Daniel could do it in his own power. But Daniel continually lived in that place. And he lived in that place of dependency. But how many know life goes from one dependency on God to another dependency on God? And it only gets more and more and more. You know, I was thinking about this today. We were talking about marriage. I can't remember with who. Um, but it was like, like, you know, first of all, I had to trust God with my own life. Then I got married. Then I'm trusting God with my wife and my, my life. Then we have children. Now I have to trust God with, with my whole family. Now you get grandchildren. And you have to trust God with your whole family and your grandchildren. It doesn't stop. It increases. So if you think you have a worrying problem now, you, you know, it'll get worse if you don't allow God to bring you to a place of trust and dependency. And, and know that in the end, he's in control of all of these things. And Daniel lived in this place. He lived in this place of knowing the sovereignty of God. And I believe we need to know the sovereignty of God with all that is going on right now. Because we could easily, easily, with all the different things that are going contrary to God and people pushing away from God and they're saying there is, there is no God, you know, you can, you can get discouraged and you can think, why am I even staying true to what I'm believing? It just seems like everything's going its own way and even they're even doing well. How many have thought those things? Just me? <laughs> Everyone's thought it. Everyone online, I'm sure, as well. But we need to know we stand before God and we answer to him. And we need to be true to God in our hearts. And we know when we drift and we know when we're close. And we need to allow God to, to check us. And in this case, in Daniel 4, we're going to look at here at, at King Nebuchadnezzar because he had already seen God work through Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not burning in the furnace. And he acknowledged God's a great God. He acknowledged that Daniel, when Daniel interpreted that first dream, that the king didn't tell him. He says, you need to tell me my dream, and then you need to interpret it. How many know that's a pretty high, hard call? It has to be something supernatural. Well, Daniel revealed the dream and interpreted it. King Nebuchadnezzar saw over and over again God prove who he was, the God of Daniel, was proving who he was. So now we get to, to Daniel 4, 
And I love this because it starts out with King Nebuchadnezzar giving an account. And he starts with telling you the end. It, it tells you where he was at at the end. And then it goes into the story. So he basically kind of gives you the end result of what happened first. Then he goes into telling his story. Now, we have to understand, this is a king, a powerful king. King Nebuchadnezzar in history ruled for over 40 years. He was one of the, Babylon at that time was, was, was the high, highest, most prosperous uh, country in the world at that time. So King Nebuchadnezzar was a, a very influential and powerful man. So this is what we have to take into account when we're reading this. And it says here, and we're going to start at verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. So if he was living in our day and age, it would have been one big email, social media blast. It would have been out there. And how many know the whole world would have known? The social media get, can touch everyone. And so he says here, peace and prosperity to you. I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how powerful his wonders. His kingdom will last forever and his rule through all generations. So we see here this is the outcome of the story he's going to begin to tell of what he went through. And what I love about this is this ending reveals, again, God's greatness, God's glory, but it establishes his kingdom, it establishes his faithfulness, and he is a man who was not God-fearing, but God got to him. And we have to understand, in all of that we're looking at, and all of the things that we think are so opposed to God, we have to understand that they're against God first. Sometimes we take things personal and we're like, oh, why'd they do that? Why'd they do that? Because they don't like God in you. It's God they have the issue with. It's the one you stand for. It's the one that you are standing with. And so a lot of times what we have to realize is we've got to just rest, like Aaron talked about last week. Take that pause, rest in who God is, and let God fight. Let him fight. Because they're pushing against him. And Daniel understood this dynamic. And so this is how he operated he just let God work. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar here is telling you, okay, this is the outcome of what happened. But then he starts to tell his story. He says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was living in my palace in, the, in my comfort and prosperity. But one night, how many know there's always a night? And it was a night when God gave a dream. And this dream scared the bejeebies out of him. Now, one thing that we can see about King Nebuchadnezzar, he was continually looking, um, he was looking for something greater than himself. You saw this aspect, and this is the part that concerns me 
with our culture and our, our, our society is people are not seeking something that's greater than themselves. They live in the now. They explain everything in the now. I can do everything, understand it scientifically. And I can, they live in this, this, I've got it all together. It's like, no, no, someone even put all of that together and he's outside of all of that. Like, people say, well, I understand that design. I understand how this works. I understand. Yeah, well, guess what? Someone put that together. There's a designer. We are designed. We are put in a place where we are subject to a creator. We're created. He's uncreated. There is someone outside of all of this. And so with King Nebuchadnezzar, he was continually creating. One thing he did is, if you look at the history of him, uh, he built uh, beautiful things. He was into beautiful things. And he was known for uh, one of the seven wonders is the one with the gardens, the floating gardens. I don't know what they are, but he, um, he created he, uh, lots of things. So he had this ability. He had, he had this inside of him. But one day he had a dream. So he had all of these things in place, and he, and he was doing well. But he got a dream, and it terrified him. It says here, as I lay in my bed, so I issued an order calling in all the wise men of Babylon so they could tell me <clears throat> what my dream meant. And when all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers came in, I told them the dream, but they could not tell me what it meant. At last, Daniel came in before me and told, and I told him the dream. Um, I said to him, Bel Belshazzar, which was his, uh, his name in, uh, in Babylon, he says, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too great for you to solve. Now tell me what my dream means. While I was lying in my bed, this is what I dreamed. I saw a large tree in the middle of the earth. The tree grew very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and it was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. All the world was fed from this tree. Then as I lay there dreaming, I saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven. The messenger shouted, cut down the tree and lop off its branches. Shake off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Chase the wild animals from its shade and the birds from its branches. But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with a band of iron and bronze and surrounded by tender grass. And now let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the wild animals among the plants of the field. For seven periods of time, let him have the mind of, an, of a wild animal instead of the mind of a human. For this has been decreed by the messengers. It is commanded by the holy ones so that everyone may know that the most high rules over the kingdoms of the world. He gives them to anyone he chooses, even to the lowliest of people. Belshazzar, that was the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now tell me what it means, for none of the wise men of the kingdom can do so. But you can tell me because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Upon hearing this, Daniel was overcome for a time, frightened by the meaning of the dream. Then the king said to him, Belshazzar, don't be alarmed by the dream and what it means. 
And, and Belshazzar replied, I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, Lord, and not to you. I want us to see something here that we see in Daniel. And I believe it's a spirit that God wants to put inside of us as church and his people. Daniel did not wish harm on King Nebuchadnezzar. And even though he was he, a tyrant, he was, I mean, he wanted to throw people in fiery furnaces, and he was, he was very extreme. When Daniel heard this dream and he knew it was for him, he was taken back, but his heart was filled with compassion. His heart was loving the person. And what I see with our government, you know, and, and sometimes our leaders and different ones, there's ungodly things that are being established. There's no, no uh, let's not dance around it. Like we have a prime minister who has spoken against Christians and spoken against Christianity, and he's not quiet about it. But we can't be the same back. And not that we agree with the stance he's taking. We stand, we can stand firm in what we believe, but we can still be loving and we can still have compassion and we can pray for his soul for God to get to him. And I believe this is what Daniel prayed for King Nebuchadnezzar. And in this case, we're going to see that God steps in and does something very drastic. But Daniel, his heart was for the king and for God's best for the king. And so even in telling this dream, even though it was hard, he was had courage to be able to do it. And I think sometimes what... What we need to do is, is, I believe it's going to be very costly for us to live as Christians in the next uh, days ahead. Because there's a lot of laws and bills and things that are anti against the values and the things that we believe. It's, it's not a secret. But, and it's going to push and it's going to push and it's going to push more. And so we, it's going to cost us to be able to stand. It's going to cost us to be able to speak. And we have to be able to know that when we do this, that God is standing with us. Amen? And we have to be able to stand secure in that. Knowing that he's going to fight for us, he will, he will come through. And Daniel knew this. Even when he had to give a, a very bad interpretation for a dream, it was one he didn't want to give. Let's go to verse 20 and to see it here. It says, The tree you saw was growing very tall and strong, reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. It had fresh green leaves and was loaded with fruit for all to eat. Wild animals lived in its shade and birds nested in its branches. That tree, your majesty, is you. I mean, you know, that's a good... Wow. That's great. For you have grown strong and great, and your greatness reaches up to heaven, and your rule to the ends of the earth. Then you saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but the leaf... But leave the stump and the roots in the ground, bound with the band of iron and bronze, and surrounded by tender grass, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him live with the animals of the field for seven periods of time. And this is what the dream means, your majesty, and what the Most High has declared will happen to, to my Lord the King. You will be driven from human society, 
and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. But the stump and the roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. And I love Daniel's advice here. You know what you see? You see a heart of redemption. You see that he wants to see God redeem. He says, stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. How many know that's good advice? How many know some of the best advice we are given? It, it sounds good and it's great, but it's hard to apply. Some of the easiest things to do can be some of the hardest things to do. Something that can be so simple can be so hard. And in King Nebuchadnezzar's case, well, we'll see what happened, it says here. But all these things did happen. Um, are we at verse? Yeah. But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, he was taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. And as he looked out across the city, he said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built these, this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majesty and splendor. While these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals, and you will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. That same hour, the judgment was fulfilled, and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow, and he was drenched with dew, the dew of heaven, and he lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. Sounds pretty drastic, doesn't it? And this is what I've seen with God. <clears throat> and when you look at the life and the history of different ones that, that where God has worked, there are times God steps in drastically, and he steps in in situations. And even in his discipline, in some situations where he disciplines, it's the end result that he's looking at. And he was drastic in this case with King Nebuchadnezzar. But how many know God's discipline when you look back on it in your own life? Even though it was hard, it was good. When, when you allowed God to do that process, I'm not talking about where you've kept running and running and maybe you've not faced it. You've continually went around the mountain. How many know God's persistent? And if there's an issue or something in your life and you don't face it, you come around again. It comes around again. And if he disciplines us, it's to get our attention. It's to let us see, look, 
wake up in this situation or whatever it might be. Each child he deals with differently, but his discipline is for our good. And it, if it's drastic, it's because sometimes drastic, um, it, it requires a drastic result. And in King Nebuchadnezzar's case, he was drastic because King Nebuchadnezzar was drastic. And it says here, once that happened, it says, after this time had passed, he says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven, my sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. And this is what he ended with. He says, his rule is everlasting, and his kingdom is eternal. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? When my sanity returned to me, so did my honor and glory and kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored as head of my kingdom with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Amen? He is able to humble the proud. And I think this is very, very important for us to remember in this time that we're in, is God can work that work in all of us, and he has to start in this church. He has to start with us. We've got to be in that place of, because the Bible says that, that we can't discipline something that we're doing ourselves. We can't. Daniel had humility. Therefore, he was able to give this interpretation and be able to minister this because he didn't have that pride in his heart. And we have to allow God to work those things out of us. And each one of us, how many of you felt like you've been in the ringer through all of this whole COVID schmobid stuff. And, you know, with the lockdown, it's like you've been in lockdown with him and, and you're having to look at maybe some things in your heart that you didn't want to look at. And maybe things that come out of your life that you're like, where did that come from? And it's like, and, and, and it's like God is working in us and he's wanting to rip out pride and he's wanting to bring us into a place of greater humility and trust and hope. Amen. And I believe that he's doing that in all of us. And, and it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And, and we, we need to know that he's faithful because he's redemptive. Even in this, in King Nebuchadnezzar's case, God was getting to his heart. He was trying to bring him to a place where, you know what? When you rule with me as the ruler, you will continue to prosper, but it will be good. It will be good, and it will be a, be a better outcome. And we see this in this case. His kingdom was restored to him, and he became, he even had greater honor than before. And we see that. If you look at the history of King Nebuchadnezzar, they say that about him. 
And so this account here obviously was in the middle of that whole process, but God was able to do that in King Nebuchadnezzar. And you know, this is what I'm seeing even with what we're going through with, um, and, and I want to tie into this as we pray into this um, today with what happened with the First Nations and the, all of this that's coming to the forefront. You know, it, it was horrible what, what happened but God's in the middle of exposing, but he's also reconciling, he's restoring, and there's been repentance. And there needs to be continual repentance as things come up. But I want to bring out some things where we've seen repentance happening, and it's been healthy and it's been good. And the thing that I want us to see is <clears throat> so many times pride, what pride does, and it has many faces, and one of the faces is we think we know it all and the other doesn't. And, and that's where this whole thing happened with the whole First Nations at the beginning. They were here. We came in and we were like, we know better than you. And instead of both coming to the table and saying, okay, this is where we're from. This is where, where you're from. And the two working together, respecting each other as people and seeing how we could work together moving forward. One has to dominate. One has to say I'm better. How many know pride does that? And it creeps in there all the time. And it creeps in there. And, and the thing about God is he's designed things so that we are, independent, are, are interdependent on one another. We're born into a family that we are dependent on. And how many know you don't always like the family you got? And God puts all the... <laughs> I was like, amen. <laughs> you don't always like the family you got, but... But there's things that when you pull together as a family, you glean, you learn, you, you, you sharpen one another. There's, God designs it that way. In the church family, you know, I see this with working with churches. Um, we want to stay in silo and go to our own corner and say, well, our church has got this and we've got this and, and, and this is what works the best. But if you open the door and you look at other churches, you see that there's great, great strengths in each one of them. And there's different aspects that God's brought out in each of one of them. And, and if we open those doors and we look at one another and we work together, we can glean from those things from one another. But whenever we come into a situation, we bring the good and we bring the bad. How many of you know husbands and wives? You get married, you bring in the good, and you bring in the bad to one another. Right? <laughs> Come on. <clears throat> such, such is life. Such is life. And God designed it that way for a reason. You know, this is what it says in um, Matthew 13, 52. It says, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. And what I want us to understand, and I believe if we could all learn this and allow God to work in us this way, that there are things that, how many have learned things in your past from mistakes. And you can bring that old into the new better. Amen? And so 
But what we try to do, uh, uh, this is what we do a lot of times, is we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We just, uh, that was all bad. Let's rip John A. McDonald's statue down. Let's just rip it all down. It was all horrible. No, it wasn't all horrible. There were some aspects that were. But we take what's good and we build on it and we get rid of what was not good. We sift it out. And this is life. Because God is rev- brings revelation and it's progressive. None of us knows everything right away. We grow into those things and we learn along the way. And so what I can see when we look even at the history of our, of our nation and aspects of it, we see that God, I, I appreciate that our nation has not ignored this situation. They've not done everything that they could do, but they have been trying to do something, and it's still a process that is being worked through. We don't have a, a nation that is turning a blind eye to it and saying, it never happened, it never happened, it never happened. We don't. Is there, oh, there is always room for God to do more, to reconcile more. And when something like this comes up, the fact that, that, that people are feeling this, the pain of this is a healthy thing because it shows that there's empathy, there's compassion. But in the end, all of us have to call out to someone greater than us because there are some things we are in and there are some things that have left such an impact that only the God who created all of this can begin to help us put it back together. Amen? And that's the part that concerns me, as people are not seeking God more. We are not having a leader saying, let's call out to God and ask for forgiveness. Let's call out to God to heal our land. Now, I want to go to just one portion where, um, in our history, just so you're aware, um, uh, there has been steps of reconciliation all along the way. And um, I want to just bring one account here with our government. In June 11th of 2008, Prime Minister Stephen Harper uh, issued a public apology in front of a joint session of Parliament and representatives of the First Nations, the Métis and the Inuit. He appeared, who, who they appeared in full ceremonial dress. And he said, the treatment of children in Indian residential schools is a sad chapter in our history. Two primary objectives of the residential school system were to remove and isolate children from the influence of their homes, families, traditions, and cultures, and to assimilate them into the dominant culture. These objectives were based on the assumption that Aboriginal cultures and spiritual beliefs were inferior and unequal. Indeed, some thought, as it was infamously said, to kill, to kill, to kill that in the child. Um, This is not making sense. It printed out wrong. Today, we recognize that this policy of assimilation was wrong, has caused great harm, and has no place in our country. 
The government now recognizes that the consequences of the Indian residential schools policy were profoundly negative and that this policy has had a lasting and damaging impact on Aboriginal culture, heritage, and language. The legacy of Indian residential schools has contributed to social problems that continue to exist in many communities today. It has taken extraordinary courage for the thousands of survivors that have come forward to speak publicly about the abuse they suffered. It is a testament to their resilience as individuals and to the strength of their cultures. Therefore, on behalf of the Government of Canada and all Canadians, I stand before you in this chamber so central to our life as a country to apologize to, to Aboriginal peoples for Canada's role in the Indian residential school system. To the approximately 86,000 living former students and all the family members and communities, the Government of Canada Canada now recognizes that it was wrong to forcibly remove children from their homes and we apologize for having done this. We now recognize that it was wrong to separate children from rich and vibrant cultures and traditions that it created a void in many lives and communities and we apologize for having done this. The burden of this experience has been on your shoulders for far too long. The burden is properly ours as a government and as a country and the government of Canada sincerely apologizes and asks for, for the forgiveness of the Aboriginal peoples of this country for failing them so profoundly. We are sorry. So th this process of reconciliation, of healing has been ongoing. Like you know, how many of you heard this be before? One, two, a few. But we weren't all there, but these things were starting to happen. And I know within the churches, there have been so many steps towards reconciling, towards showing respect back to the First Nations and, and being able to step in. I know for us as a church, um, we've gone up to Shasasabi and we're working with First Nations and we are seeing firsthand the effects of the abuses that, that came through the residential schools and how it's affected the families. And we're there to pray, to bring healing, to bring restoration, to, you know, call upon God who is able to, by his power, go beyond what we can do in our own ability. But as churches, we've got to, um, we've got to, you know, take that responsibility. In our network of churches, um, our, our leader has sent out a statement, and I want to read this today, and I want to read this on behalf of churches, because I believe that, um, uh, you know, we need to acknowledge this, this thing that has just happened and give it to God. You know, the Bible says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time, casting all your cares and worries on him because he cares for you. How many know this is a, a burden, this is an ache that we have to give back to God because we feel responsible and then the ones that have been affected, they feel it in another way that they have to cast that upon God. In the end, all of us, have to go to the one who can put us back together. Amen? 
So this is what our last, uh, our, this is what our, our ministerial network, the, the statement that they have made. I want to read it. It says, the last days have revealed an unspeakable horror being exposed in past residential schools across Canada. As the number numbers of unmarked graves increase, so does the sorrow and heartache that is relived in those that have suffered. Ours is a ministerial family with many First Nations members as well as many deep relationships outside of our network across Canada. Through many of these relationships, we have become aware of the pain that has been unspoken for many years and through many generations. And as leaders of the Minister's Network Canada, we felt the responsibility to make a statement to express our deep sorrow and regret on behalf of the church at large. There are many different denominations in Canada. A quick search revealed about 75 denominations, including some who uh, do not subscribe to biblical teachings. We cannot speak for all churches, but we believe that as leaders as a, of a ministerial group, we are compelled to express to the Indigenous community our profound regret over the sins that our forefathers committed against the First Nations people, often even in the name of God. Some are quick to point fingers at the Catholic Church, Yet we believe all who embrace the teaching of the Holy Scriptures need to step up and show compassion to our neighbors. Some denominational groups have already prepared statements on behalf of their churches and pastoral leaders. Others leave that responsibility to the individual churches. Whatever the protocol is, the faith-based community cannot be silent at this time. Some respected individuals in various reserves have guided the preparation of this statement. We appreciate your wisdom and guidance, not only for this article, but in, in the days going forward as we together search for healing and true reconciliation. We anticipate this will be a long journey, but one well worth the investment. If I can have the worship team up here. So this is the statement. And then we're going to take some time to pray. And we're going to pray over um, different things for our nation. We're going to pray over this area. But um, we're going we're gonna to primarily look up. We're going to seek God for our nation. We're going to, as our anthem sit, says, we're going to stand on guard for thee, Canada. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to do that together as a united body. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.